0: Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in the space. Let's get started. Dantel Marvin. She had a feeling that the C-suite at her company would shut down the plant and that she'd have to find another job. She was right. Her job search resulted in postings at only large companies. Her volunteer experience at nonprofits and being a consumer of small businesses and government services made her realize that large companies seemed to be the only entities that invested in process improvement personnel. It didn't seem fair. In her experience, nonprofits, public organizations, and small businesses could benefit most from more streamlined processes, but they don't usually have people like her working for them. That's when she found her calling. While finishing her master's in industrial organizational psychology, she founded Trifective PPS, dedicated to teaching these organizations how to identify wasteful practices that make them inefficient. She developed the Trifective Solutions Program to guide leaders through simple proven strategies to achieve huge productivity gains and save money through process improvement. Her clients have experienced all this without adding headcount or raising capital. They saved money by using existing but underutilized resources and making small adjustments to existing processes. Now they have the same tools previously hoarded by large organizations at their disposal to sustain future growth. I have the pleasure of talking this week with Chantel Marvin. And I am so excited because we met at this event called Equity and Entrepreneurship. And the panelists were fantastic. And you were one of those panelists. And so I was really interested in learning more about you. So I'm excited that you have come on to the Jolly podcast. Absolutely. And can talk a little bit about what you're doing. I think when we talk about anybody that has the wherewithal, the courage (laughs) to start their own business, I always want to start with kind of what was your journey and how did you get here? Because I know, first of all, that you were you are a veteran. And so we thank you for your service. But your journey now is entrepreneurship. And so how did you make that leap? And and how did you even come to be the person you are today? Oh, man, that's Story is so long
1: how how much time do we have but it really started as sad as i said on the panel um i was bred to be a w-2 employee i was taught to go to school get good grades get a good job so you can make money that was it there was no talk about happiness there was no talk about purpose your skills what god gifted you with that was just not even in the scope and i come from a Very religious upbringing, but that just didn't mate itself. So I did what I was supposed to do. I got out of Detroit, got my veteran, my background there from the Naval Academy and and did the service thing, got out and went into corporate land. I got the good job. I got the money. I'm a independent Black woman. Go me, right? But when you are in a W-2 situation you're living someone else's dream. You're still doing what you're told so that you can fulfill their purpose, which took me a while to understand was not the equivalent of my purpose. I had to learn myself along the way to say it's okay to be you and all your brashness and all your uncouthness and learn that my value structure is not in alignment with these W-2 positions I was getting, going company to company, bad boss to bad boss. And I'm like, something is disjointed here. And so after I had gotten my my other master's in IO psychology and had another scare of, guess what? You're not the destiny of your employee, of your employment. They get to determine if you stay there or not, right to work, thank you. Yes. So that's not in my control. I was so scared of being laid off again that I said, oh, I got to start a business. I got to do something. And I just did not want that power to be in someone else's hands. I want to be in control of that. And then I, did a, I dug a little bit deeper because in the back of my head, I know that I have enough credentials to get another job. It, it was never really about being afraid of not being employed because despite how scary being laid off is, I have enough stuff under my belt where I could just get another job. That was the thing. I learned after some reflection that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was stifled because again, that's not in my control. What I get to work on, that's someone else telling me, this is your job description. This is what you're going to do. And I was wholly unfulfilled i have a uniqueness to me that wants to do these things that i could not do in that role so i had to i had to start something and and just venture out and craft something around what i needed to give to society to my community as an expression of what was put into me and that's where the entrepreneurial journey start this time succeeded i mean failed in other things as I'm going to figure myself out, but this time, slow and controlled, steady as she goes, we're making it work this time.
0: Well, and none of it is failure because you learn something from everything that you do. So for me, it's not a failure. It's a lesson. So you're right. You're right. Lots of lessons. We we continue we continue to grow and learn. And so it, all, all things are taken as as a sign of growth. So it's awesome. Better language. Yes. Yes. I love it. So, so now tell us a little bit about Trifective, how, how you started it, why you started it. So Trifecta PPS was born
1: out of no significance in the name, other than it just sounded good to me. And the PPS is productivity and personal solutions. So I'm taking my background as a Lee Six Sigma black belt, and I want to Translate that into the realm of small businesses. I felt that I needed to bring that big corporate stuff into the hands of small businesses because I believe they really are the backbone of our economy. And they just don't have the staff, the resources to afford someone like me leading their process improvement, their continuous improvement efforts. So that's why my focus is on small and micro businesses. And I exist to help you do more or less time. That is it. And by proxy, you should be making more money because you're not doing silly things that stop you from from being inefficient and unproductive, therefore unprofitable.
0: I love it. So then what kinds of, I mean, when you think about organizations, I know you said small business and a micro business. And, and I, of course, worked at Visa for 30 years. And so when you say a black belt, and I mean, I understand what you're talking about, especially in this large corporate. So what kinds of organizations are you targeting? And kind of what are the what are some of the symptoms, I guess you could say, where people might need you?
1: Oh, wow. It's so broad. My current focus, just because I've had prior success, is in the medical community. That's kind of the sector that I'm most adjacent to right now. And if you think about the inefficiencies with things like medical care, the yes. process of sitting in an emergency room, of getting a doctor's appointment, a, a chiropractor appointment, you may have dealt with home health care. So many of inefficiencies built into those processes. So if you see, if it seems like you're not getting enough clients, like it's taken a long time for you to perform your service from the time that you have a contract until you have delivered that service, that's a symptom that you may need. me. It's just taking you too long to do what you need to do. Think about a hairdresser. You come in and we've been there. I know we got our hair braided and locked, but you come in back in the days when you were straightening and perm and all that stuff. So you make your appointment, but you come in the door, you sit in the chair. Okay, I'm speaking about me. You sit in the chair and you wait until... Look, look, you speaking about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and then you wait to get under the wash machine or the washing machine. You're waiting to get your hair washed and then you got to sit there and wait for them to come back. Then you may do a little bit of conditioning. You got to sit in a dryer and then they're not ready for you. And then you, I mean, all this sitting around and waiting. Imagine what it was. Yes. And you could be you could be there all day. You could be there all day with an appointment, knowing that the actual process of doing your hair from start to finish may take you, let's just say, three hours. Why are you in the shop for six?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: How many more clients could you have in and out if it wasn't for all that waste in your process that's keeping you from booking more clients? That's why I exist. I love it and so you can apply that really to any industry it the the really if you have if you do something you have a process where you do this and then you do that and then you do that it's applicable
0: yeah well and and lord heavens knows we need help in the medical and healthcare side cuz i mean it's it it boggles my mind sometimes when we're talking about whether you're going to the doctor to get checked out or whether they're trying to diagnose or you're waiting for some prescription for weeks because somebody can't call somebody, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It is, you're waiting on lab results. Oh, you're filling out
1: manual paper. Someone printed out some paper and gave you to fill out.
0: Yes. And get
1: you an E-pen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like, what? Yes. In this day and age, that is how we do things.
1: Well, you should be able to do that on your smartphone before you get there. That's
0: 15 minutes out of your appointment. You should not have that. Yes. I love that. So then when we're talking about productivity, because I mean, talk a little bit about your background and how you how you got here, because I know you used to work with in supply chain, correct?
1: A a little bit. So I worked in various industries. I started off um, at a company that did power generation and that's where I got my taste of process improvement. So really, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about making things better, making things faster. Productivity is just how much you can get done in a given set of time. And I'm trying to help you do that faster, more output in a given set of time or in a shorter period of time. So that's what we're talking about. And I got my start um, from that first company. And then I went in the process of what's known as the Lee Six Sigma track, where you can get a belt for having accomplished or have a certain credentials in these, these methodologies that employ these tools to help organizations become more productive. And so I've done that from company to company for the past 17 years, different industries in food in um, fiber optics in manufacturing in um, window coverings down the medical uh, community so all those skills are translatable and you you just build upon that and the tools have have really not changed much it's still the same type of, of thinking it's not even so much using a tool it's just how do i see my business my process So I can identify wasteful things and see how that's slowing me down and therefore expanding a a time frame when it could be so much more compressed and
0: efficient. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So then when when companies are looking for because I think everybody probably, especially at this time of year, is taking stock in what they did this year, what they can celebrate and then kind of how they can improve next year and what those resolutions are. And I would hope that every company would focus on delivering more impact in some form or fashion. You so know, that's an assumption.
1: And uh forgive me for for cutting in there. But we're making the assumption that people are looking at their metrics or that they have metrics. What well, they're looking at. That's true. I was assuming that <laughs> <laughs> um It's some, and especially micro businesses, right? You're you're the CFO, the CMO, the CTO, and the COO, you're all the C's. You may not necessarily have time to look at all the ways to measure how effective each of those hats are for you. And it's understandable that you can get lost in keeping track of stuff, but that doesn't excuse the fact that you have to keep track of stuff. Another thing that I do is help automate or make more efficient the business management piece of running a business, right? So you do what you do. That's the process of it. But then you got to manage the stuff around it so that you can be a business, right? And that takes a lot of time. You may have been seeing patients all day at your dental office, for example, then, because there's, it's just you, Like you have your hygienist and maybe another doctor, but you got to come home at the end of the day after seeing all those patients. And then you got to work on your, all your marketing stuff, all the sales you're going to put out. You got to make sure the finances are right because you're not meeting with your, your accountant until next month. So you just, okay, so it's 10 o'clock at night and you got twins that you just had two months ago. So something's going to slip. <laughs> so I help create processes just around that piece. And getting back to my point about metrics, are you measuring the right things to even determine if you're winning or losing? Right. Are you measuring number of patients you serviced in in the quarter? Are they repeat customers? Are they paying more than what they used to do? Just and it is there's tons and tons of things to measure. You gotta pick the right ones that are right for you and then say based on my vision, my strategy, my goals, and my objectives, let me pick these three and make sure that I've I'm improved upon those. So how do I know if I'm doing good or, or bad unless I'm measuring something? So that's I think step number one is identifying how to determine if you're winning or losing.
0: That's a great point. I love it. I mean, those are some those are some nuggets. See, I'm just assuming that everybody's looking at stuff because we had a gazillion metrics that we looked at but you're right from a small business perspective even now it it is a challenge to keep up with all of the information all the metrics and making sure that especially if you're like a solopreneur where you don't may you may not have a large enough team and you you are wearing so many different hats so your point is well taken so so then when you're thinking about like the systems that you're creating whether it's process or or the management of those systems are there any tips and tools that you can talk about that really kind of get people to understand what they should be doing and kind of the benefits of of really kind of working with somebody like you because I think probably everybody can benefit from working with somebody like you.
1: It's so hard to see the forest through the trees. You really, and when I do when I do events with clients, I have to get them out of their environment so they can see what they do objectively, or at least have a sounding board to state what they do objectively. So you have to learn how to see, and I can't emphasize that enough. You have to recognize what is a waste, even though that may be your normal operating mojo. Like this is what I do. This is what I've always done. So, I mean, recognize that it could be better. It could be faster. Well, how? Well, a big thing that I always look at and you see it every time at a restaurant, you come in, how long is the wait, right? The longer that you're on that waiting list, the less money you're making because you can't turn over customers quick enough. So that's one easy thing that you can look at is are people waiting for anything are they waiting for their food are they waiting for a menu are they waiting to see a doctor are they waiting under a dryer and no one is touching their hair that's a that's a big one how many people are waiting and for long that's the biggest tip another big one and this is one of the, the lean big waste categories is called defects what are defects well the customer wanted something and you gave them something else i wanted to look look like Beyonce you made me look like Ed Sullivan that's a defect that's a mistake that you have to that's a big difference (laughs) that's a big difference Ed Sullivan right oh boy okay we're not gonna get to that but but anytime you have to stop and correct something you have to they ordered a steak rare done and you gave it to a medium well you have to stop and corrected that's a lot of time that's more materials so look at how many defects in a given time period are you producing because you have to rework that and you have to do that on your time and your dollar that's costing you i would say those are the two biggest things to look at if you if we never work together those are things you can do to yourself if you have no idea well, I'm talking about that I need to help you because I don't know how much more played I can be. Stop
0: making mistakes and get people in and out of there. Right. Right. No, and that's awesome. So and and I think I mean you've talked a lot about some of the service industries, because I think a lot of times when we think about business, we're we're so focused on products and physical products, but we don't think about all the all the services that go along with the products in and how you're Delivering them to the consumer or the whoever your absolutely your customer is.
1: We could have had the same conversation about people who make soap, about people who make jewelry in, in their garages. How long does it take for you to make a bracelet? How long does it take you to? What is your process? What does your garage setup look like? Are you running around looking for stuff because you don't? Your garage is such a mess you can't even figure out where what. We're not going to talk about my husband's garage. Okay, we're not going to even go there. Let me tell you that when he's trying to fix, do something on his car, and you can't find stuff, where's this nut? Where's this bolt? Where's this? Because it's a mess. And think about the time you spend looking for stuff. As there's a meme out there that says, "I spent a half hour looking for a fork in my teenage teenage room." It's just just a mess, and the time you have to spend looking for the things that's another nugget are you looking for stubby because you don't know you have you
0: been in my house because i'm trying to find some forks right now
1: <laughs> just go to the room over i can tell you one i'm scared and two i don't want to look um mm-hmm.
0: we're not trying to go in there oh my gosh that's no true.
1: so so the, yeah if you make a product and your process is a mess because it doesn't flow right there's there should be if you're making something there should be at no point Something where it stops. You have to it it you get the raw materials, then something happens to it, then it should go seamlessly from process step to process step without any weight. If it is in some kind of queue or waiting for it to be acted upon, that's an element of waste. So service, product, it doesn't matter. Waiting is still the same. You could talk about too much inventory, you talk about the fact that you gotta Drive down to Fresno to get this and then have that shipped in from Canada and all that's oasis because it's it's stopping the flow of your product through your process, therefore you create less product.
0: Mm-hmm. I love this. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about diversity, equity and inclusion in what you're doing, because I know when I was working in corporate, we didn't see a lot of people like you who look like you, should I say, in a lot of these roles. And there probably are many, many more. But I I worked in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, and there just were not a lot of people of color in, in those roles. So do you, is there a, is there a DEI element in here or perspective that you can, you can bring? Cause I think the way you ended up here, you talked a little bit about your journey, but I think a lot of people, and, and I know some right now that are like, Hey, I could actually be giving more in my role I could be kind of mentored by someone like you and how do they even get into this process and and how do we get more people like you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think it starts, well, one, if you're already
1: in corporate land and you're like, hey, I want to do something like that. I think you have to recognize uh, within yourself, do you like fixing things? I'm a little bit OCD. At ADD, if I see a picture crooked, I I can't sit within my skin. So do you have the inkling to want to fix things, straighten it out? I'm not the biggest innovator, but I'm the big fixer. I want to make things better. So if you have that type of mindset, there are tons of people on LinkedIn, on whatever. Just reach out to them and get yourself a belt. It's not that it's really not that hard. There are lots of credentialing agencies that asq is the probably the number one american society of quality engineers i believe are may have gotten that wrong but but that's a big one and you just find yourself a project to improve and get the belt and you're in the club it's not very exclusive but you but you do want to reach out and figure out what are the right people to talk to and just to just get your credentially. and all you do is throw that on your resume and you stand out there's a lot uh, if you put on your resume, I'm a green or a black belt, you are indoors. It's not, it's no one, is is stopping you from, from that. So it it is something that requires credentialing. If you have not entered the workforce yet, I would suggest why not to, to get into, I mean, do you need a four-year degree to do what I do? Probably at this point, no, but there is nothing like having the grades. And I'm talking about people, you know, in, in the high school level. When you have the grades to get wherever you want to be, you can go wherever you want to go. And there's there's nothing stopping from there. You got to put in the work. So I would suggest, especially people of color, there needs to be more em- emphasis on excellence. Because that cannot be denied based off of how you look, where you grew up. I'm an inner city Detroit importee or immigrant whatever very poor didn't have no kind of nothing but it was within me and if we have our children surrounded by adults who will demand of them because maybe they're not getting that at home but demand excellence and the drive to push through again nuggets and moments don't land in your lap you have to go get them no one is going to take time out of the day to just look around and see who's looking for a moment. You have to go get it. You have to have some kind of initiative to say, I'm here. I got my belt. I got the grades. Where are your openings? You'll have no openings. Who do I need to talk to to understand what you're looking for so that I can get in your door? You had to demand that. Right. Yeah. And I, I do not buy and judge me if you want, that the system is so stacked against you that your skin color bars you from maybe it does. I don't discount. I'm not discounting the experiences experiences of those who have gone through that. But there are doors that are available if you knock. And when you show up to knock, you show up correct. And I think for our younger folks, you, we need to educate them on how to show up correct, with a belt on your pants, with um, talking in a way that doesn't dismiss you as an authentic human person, but just in a way that's not going to come off threatening or dismissive because I think that you are uneducated. We need to, as a community, pour that into the up-and-coming generation so that there is no excuse as to why they can't get to doors. Where the only thing... That was said that was say the reason they didn't get into this door is because of some kind of DEI factor, because everything else came correct. Yeah. But first we got to come correct.
0: Absolutely. This is these are the principles that we live off of. Excellence has to be one of them. And so I just really have and really enjoyed meeting you at the panel because a lot of the things that you all were talking about were just really creating that equity in entrepreneurship. And I think there were conversations about lack of capital and or I should say lack of access to capital, as well as just managing a small business as African-Americans in this particular county. Um, so to be able to bring together the number of people that we brought together to just have those kind of conversations, I think we need to do that more often because to your point, if you're not, if, if you feel like you're not getting the right thing when you're in a, in a W2 job, then you're showing us create your own path, get out there and do something different.
1: And take advantage of what you can while you're in W2 land. Let them finance that dream. You don't have to learn the skills. Like If there's there's something in, in your field that you want to get into that they can offer you for free, go for it. I have not paid for, I've only paid for one class out of pocket and I have three degrees. I have not paid for anything other than one class. And that was just because I was transitioning jobs. Make them pay for your education. Go to apply to companies where they have tuition reimbursement. And they can't take that away from you. Yeah. Can I say one thing on access to capital? Of course. There is access to capital. (laughs) They just don't give away to everybody. If your credit score is 434, you probably won't have access to capital. Right. Again, showing up correct. You can't just be balling out Living off of your sixteen year old's Social Security so you can get credit, and then expect for someone to drop five hundred thousand dollars in your lap. You have to you be responsible personally, and I know this because I because I talked to the bankers, I've talked to the people in there, and I think uh, one of the panelists was a banker, or she was a loan officer. Yeah, huh? You're right. You have to you have to come correct financially, or else no, you will not have access to credit to to capital. So get, your, get yourself together. And we need to teach that to the up-and-coming folks too. Right now, no, I'm building my daughter's credit. I'm establishing a, a, a business so that she has a legacy or, or if she, something happens, she can walk into a job and encouraging her differently than the way I came up. Like, yeah, get good grades, but that's not it. It's, it's what, what are you designed to do? Let me facilitate your growth. Okay? And then... By the time you have exited my legal strongholds of being horrible mom who's always doing this to me, but you will graduate with an excellent credit score, in no debt, you'll have you'll have real estate because I'm trying to develop wealth within my family. Then, when she's ready to do her thing, she already has access to capital. We're teaching her about the stock market. We're talking about investing. She knows. What saving and giving is, is just fundamental financial principles that we need to educate our kids on so that we can build a cyclic, generational wealth wheel that somehow some other cultures got. We we somehow don't have that yet.
0: Yeah, somehow.
1: But that's our responsibility. To t- yeah, somehow that's our responsibility to, to teach them. They, they will they, and they will have access. It won't be, even be a thing. Like, what do you mean? I just got like 25000
0: <sighs> right, right. Sorry, I had to put that in there. No, that's <laughs> excellent. I love it. I love it. No, I think so. So, tell me, is there when we're talking about trifective and and trifective PPS? Let me get the full name out there. When you are dealing with, because I think you also deal with for-profit companies and nonprofit. If I remember correct, I
1: have worked with with nonprofit as well, just as a sounding board for strategic alignment. I'm here as a coach too, nonprofit app for-profit, yes.
0: Okay. So then, I mean, really, I guess the, the big thing is if somebody was looking to improve the processes that they currently have and they wanted to pick up the phone and call you, you can design a package around what they're looking for or do you normally do coaching or is it a, more of a consulting gig? It's whatever
1: you need because i don't have a cookie cutter this is what you get because even though you may be the same medical practitioner as the guy down the street your pain points may be different so it starts off with a discussion of what's frustrating you i have some tools i can use we got cultural analysis make sure you're we haven't even talked about the people side of this we just talked about processes oh my gosh we gotta talk about the people but well, let's talk about that. Yes. We have the pe- we have people assessment. We have the process assessment. Maybe you just need, I uh, have one client. She just needs to get out of her head because she's a, a visionary and she knows what she wants, but she has five different things. And I'm like, okay, well, what's most important to you? And I help you develop a plan to execute that strategy. So I can, I have a lot of things I can use to help you. It depends on what your particular problem is. And we can see if we can work on it. Yeah together to develop a solution for that. I love
0: it. Okay, so since we need to pivot and let's chat about people, and because obviously those are the most valuable assets of any company.
1: They are, unless you have a fully automated AI system running your company, then you probably have hired somebody. And the people side of productivity is that they interact with your process. You want to make sure that the right people are interacting with your process, because especially if you're a small business, you don't have a lot of money to be wasting around on people's mistakes, their lack of wanting to come to work and be motivated and be as productive as they can be in their job, right? So that the whole organization can be productive. So you have to have the right people in place. And that's something... Else we can look at is, what are your hiring practices? Are you asking the right questions? Not just going off of the resume, but me as a small business owner, to can we have a relationship? Do you share? Can you, can you adapt my vision? Because remember, now I'm about to put somebody in a W-2 position who have their own package of hopes and dreams, but that's fine. But can you still come work for me and help me do mine? Not everyone is for you, as in any relationship, right? So you gotta have the right people. And if you don't have the right people, let's find a way for them to go find something else. Because we can't be wasting each other's time. We don't have the money for that for me to be paying you to be performing suboptimally. I don't have time for that. Let's let's talk about something else you can be doing. I love it. Turnover is costly, but you gotta you gotta have the right people. Okay. Oh, I feel like I've been on the soapbox for a while. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so critical. Yes. It's it's so critical as, as a small business. Big businesses, they have the luxury of big budgets and staffs of people that can just handle the people problems, HR please. I don't have an HR department. I don't have a, and most small businesses don't. It's like, okay, as long as I'm legal, I just need people. Well, that may not be enough.
0: Right. You want to be profitable. Yes. Because headaches are costly. I love it. Now, are there differences that you find between nonprofits and for profits, or the metrics
1: aren't as closely looked at on the
0: nonprofit side? I would see
1: because money is easy to measure, especially if you're a public, if you're if you're a public entity. Nonprofits they tend to have more service um, metrics, so customer turnover rate. But since they're not, they may be held together by a grant as their funding source or taxes if they're a government agency. And we're not going to talk about those wasteful expenditures, but um, it, it's just how they measure success is a, is a little bit different. So you really got me as a consultant, I'm looking for what is really driving you to need me. Is this just a project you need to have done? Or are you trying to improve how many Let's say you're working in the housing development. Are you just trying to improve number of people that can be housed? So just the metrics are a little bit different, but a process is a process and the methodologies for fixing that are the same. I love it.
0: This is awesome. All right. So what I know, and I'm a person who loves to celebrate people that are doing the work. So you are doing wonderful things and I just really appreciate it. I really do. Cause I mean, honestly, I don't just let anybody on here. I like to talk to people that are doing stuff. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, and I love the way you said before, I think we were talking and you were talking about how you spread the joy. And so I love the fact that you are spreading joy. You are doing wonderful, big things, all of these effective strategies and really giving back to small and micro businesses because those are probably... I mean, they we have the most of them, and yet they tend to have the least resources for especially to tap into the skill set that you bring to the to the to the industries that you're working with. So, I mean, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and and keep going. And I we love to see black women thriving in entrepreneurship. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. As I said
1: earlier, I'm still in the same boat. I'm learning things. As I learn, I want to share that with folks. If you are aware of someone that is just looking for a sounding board, a younger person that wants to be mentored, you can catch me on LinkedIn. I'm totally, all my stuff is out there my number, my email. I would love to talk to anyone just to have a conversation like, hey, uh, I'm like, yes, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we can work through that. Yes, I love it. Well, and and so we will make sure that we put all of your hashtags and, and tags and whatever they call them um, into the deser- description so people can find you. Um, and I hope people will take advantage of the tremendous opportunity that you're giving them with your skill set. So, I just want to thank you for coming on. Any last? Thank
1: you so much for helping me. Yeah, I just
0: wanted to, yeah, any last words?
1: I just um, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to say what I do. I want to do so much more of it. I want to, especially just the whole point of, of starting wealth and building wealth in our communities. That is so important that we get this together and we do this with small businesses, not just me but let's network together. you are an amazing podcaster. you have a certain skill set. I have a certain skill set. can we get those together and be an amazing community together without hating on each other? Please I think that would be my last quote favor to the to
0: your listening audience. yes, great point because and I'm telling you it brings me joy when we actually get together and help each other. There is more than enough out there for us to not have to compete and trash each other. There is more than enough. There's more. just
1: so much pie. There's so much pie. So much pie. Thank you so much. And I have to say,
0: I'm loving that bear in the background over there. We he is like, my, I know is <laughs> had my eye. I'm like, OK, does he have a name? Come on. Oh, my gosh. He did years ago. Some some ex-boyfriend
1: years ago gave it to me. I didn't forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, you get a goofball if you talk to me, people. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not that locked on, but I do
0: want to help you solve your problem, but I bring me to the table. I bring me. <laughs> that's, that's what we need. We need you. So, thank you so much, Chantel, for joining me, and I hope We will see you back again, I'm sure, I hope. And uh, we wish you the best in all you do. The same to you,
1: ma'am. All the best. All the best. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go.
0: Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week.